0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here at Blaze Media for Thursday, November 3rd, guiding you through not just the red wave, but the red mandate, the promise how to make sure we don't continue repeating the same mistakes, the same failures of the past. It's kind of eerie for me. I'm still on the younger side of this business. I guess most people are in their 40s and 50s who do what I do. I'm still in my 30s. But it's eerie that I can't believe it's been 12 years since we were in this exact same moment during the Tea Party wave, 2010, same time of year. And there was so much promise, so many seats Republicans were going to pick up. This time, they're going to run not just on being any other Republican. We're going to eschew the m- mistakes of the Bush years and become Tea Party Republicans. And we all know how that ended. And you could listen to many other shows, and you know, you'll know you hear the same thing. What's the polling data here? What's the polling data there? I mean, this whole thing is stupid. 30 million people already voted Probably about a quarter of the electorate. And then even with the early voting, we can't benefit from knowing election results and at, at, at the night of because, well, now we have election month because they need all the mail-in ballots that they, they could tamper with and screw around with for hours and then days and then sometimes weeks afterwards. But either way, we'll know what happens. And either way, unless something earth-shattering changes or something that everyone misses, they will win big. Republicans will win big. But what does that mean for us how do we make sure that that not only the red wave comes to fruition of a red mandate but that the red wave itself doesn't wash away conservatives doesn't wash away you and me well what do you mean wash away you mean it can make it worse for us yes it's happened before and it's very likely it will happen if we don't change paths and this is kind of the cross, crossroads we're at. The opportunity is boundless. Democrats naturally are in big, big trouble. They're still going to hold the bag of Biden as president. They can't get rid of him because Kamala is even worse. So they're stuck with that. And they have no bench to even run. So they, and they have a horrible Senate map actually two years from now. So they could keep losing elections at least for two cycles You know, and then the Republicans will hold the bag, and we'll keep you know the pendulum will keep swinging back and forth. But in the meantime, what's going to happen on all those issues we care about? And that's what I want to walk you through. I want to walk you through how the Republicans could bail out the Democrats from the morass they're in, at at a minimum, ensure that the current policies eating us alive continue, if not get worse. But how, once again, it doesn't have to be this way. And as I give you a 2020 vision on politics that nobody gives you, I want you guys to check out Better Spectacles who give you true 2020 vision with your eyewear that no other eyewear company gives you. First off, they're the only conservative American company that offers – German, authentic German, Rodenstock Eyewear, the world's gold standards. Their scientists have put together biometric intelligence glasses that work seamlessly with your brain to give you sharp experience, uh, a sharp vision, um, which is why I feel I'm usually on the ball most days because I have my Rodenstock glasses from... uh, From Better Spectacles, you could see 40% better near and intermediate distances, 98% to have them recommend them, including me and my wife. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment today. You don't even have to leave your home. Don't settle with your eyewear. Go big with biometrical intelligence glasses and go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative for an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. So I'm going to tell you something that is scaring me, and it's something we need to get out in the open. I want to get everything out in the open, and I want to lay the marker down. I want to call my shot before it happens so we are prepared to deal with it. And as always, as you well know, I don't just complain. Republicans are going to screw you. We're screwed. There's no hope. I give you opportunities, give you ideas that if we all rallied behind, we could prevent this. And some of it will be review, some of it will be new. But one thought process that I think is new, it's very important, is the blue state Republicans. A lot of people are hoping that we wake up the morning of November 9th and we discover men, Republicans, even flip Colorado and New Mexico and Oregon, sometimes whether they're governorships or house seats and whatever, and they're going to win in all these places. They might pick up some... You know, House seats, a bunch of House seats in New York and even Connecticut and one Rhode Island and Maine and New Jersey and California and Washington and Oregon. It's going to be really exciting. And no doubt, in a vacuum, there is power to showing how the Democrats are repudiated even in a blue state. But that's only provided that the Republican Party is not subversive. If the Republican is, it actually harms us, in a, or potentially does. And I want to put this on your radar. Sometimes less is more and more is less. As you well know, to control the House, there's no benefit to having more seats. The Senate, there's a benefit to having 60 seats, or maybe having 54, 55, or 56, if you think that that will make it easier that next cycle you can get to 60. Theoretically, there's a Uh, objective, there's a positive objective to striving for 60 seats. There's no benefit to 60% supermajority in a House. I mean, theoretically, there's a benefit to two-thirds, that that would be 290 seats, where you could override a veto, but then you would need the same amount in the Senate anyway. It wouldn't even help you if you don't have both, but obviously that's never going to be in the cards in modern-day politics. So, whether Republicans win 230 or 255, really doesn't matter but it could potentially slide us backwards you know i could ignore this and just look at r versus d and say oh this is great democrats have to defend d plus 8 d plus 10 seats and maybe they'll lose some but take it from me who lives in maryland enduring governor lockdown larry hogan what happens with some of these rhinos so some of them are just kind of stealth rhinos They just feel they need to go along with the left to hold a a blue state and they kind of do their own thing and whatever, okay. But then there's the subversive types that want to own the party and say, we need to be like this in order to appeal to this. And that would be a problem even if the rest of the party, the mainstream, the leadership members from the red districts were conservative. Certainly the fact that they're not And they like to play a double game. So the fact that you have, we're going to create this cadre of blue state Republicans. I'm just telling you, you know, you could win 218 seats. Okay, have it good. Fine, they're from good districts, whatever. But then you want to go and add an extra 20 to 30 deep, not deep, but, you know, mid-level blue district territory. I'm just telling you, I'm watching what a lot of them are running on. I'm watching their ads it ain't good. <laughs> I, I hate to say it. I, I'm trying to hold my nose and just to be excited about it. But a lot of these guys are going to be very problematic, with the exception of a few. They're going to constantly want to pander to their perception of where the blue state voters are. So when you start creating a very large contingent, you know, that could, could potentially if it goes really well, number like 30 seats, you could create a bunch of members from the Northeast and the Pacific West that start gaining a lot of clout. And they start dragging an already non-conservative leadership to the left. Now, I understand that there are certain issues that maybe don't resonate in blue states as much as red states, which is why I'm more about trying to fix our areas. I'd rather get the red states redder than try to get a rhino in a blue state just to prove a point. Because in the long run, the reality is it's going to be impossible to keep some of those seats. Some of those seats are going to be very difficult to keep in the long run. We don't need them. And moreover, they're going to be hard to keep. But obviously, it becomes a liability. So they're going to have to defend them. So to begin with, no matter what, blue state America is largely brainwashed. Now, you and I would both say that the issues we are trying to run on should be enough for them maybe not to win in a D plus 30 district, but in a D plus 5, D plus 7 district. And I think largely it's true um, with a lot of the issues we want to run on. But that's not their perception. Their perception is that you have to play this split-the-baby business. So everything we're scared about Republicans doing even before we have this you know, blue state cadre of Republicans, which I've talked about a lot, how they're going to triangulate on crime and immigration and, and medical freedom, COVID. And, and I want to get into that in a little bit more depth today. But this is going to be a very big problem. So be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. I want to extrapolate on this point, but first our sponsor today, we want to get people off of screen time, transhumanism, I'm trying to get my oldest son off of it. Screen time literally is a drug that drugs people up. It's better to go with audio. If you want to listen to a podcast, listen to music, listen to an audiobook, turn off the computer, put in your Raycon earbuds. We're getting closer to Christmas. It makes a great present. Great, great present. Um, you could shop early, skip the stress, and snag some of the best deals of the season for Christmas shopping with premium audio audio products from Raycon. When you're looking for a gift everyone needs, or at least a, or a stocking stuffer that's not a candle for once, Raycons are the way to go. Their wireless earbuds, headphones, and speakers offer premium sound, useful features, An almost custom, comfortable fit, that's the best thing I like because nothing fits in my ears, and up to 54 hours of battery life. As a person gifting them, you've got to love that they start at half the price of other premium brands. That's really the thing, premium quality for cheapy price. Um, Raycon makes it easy with holiday gifts, guides for everyone um, in your life, Again, you know, often you'll have a, a jogger in your family that likes jogging. It's great for that. doesn't fall out of your ears. And uh, they have holiday bundles as well um, coming up. So, again, you want to check them out at buyraycon.com conservative. Um, you can find Raycon in stores now like Kohl's or Walmart. But I'm telling you, it's only with the special link that you get these deals at buyraycon.com slash conservative. Um, what do you get? Use code early bf early bf as in best friend to get twenty percent off site wide, twenty percent off any Raycon pr- product. Um, save even bigger and get thirty percent off Raycon's exclusive bundles for the upcoming holidays. That's code early bf at buyraycon.com slash conservative for twenty percent off. Or again. 30% off with their bundles again by raycon.com slash conservative. So it's not just the fact that these House Republicans from blue states will likely drag them to the left. It also nukes the leverage of the Freedom Caucus. Remember, let's say Republicans have 230 seats. So let's say the Freedom Caucus has 30 members. Well, they could say, all right, buddy we're not going to go along with your garbage and, you know, your like loincloth half-baked messaging bill unless we make it real. Okay, we put teeth in it. So they could actually deny them a majority. But if they get like Steve Dace is predicting 255 seats, they could go with the rhinos and ditch the conservatives. And that's, that's a real fear I'm just telling you, I mean, there's a great talking, if your goal is talking points to gloat on social media the next day, ha ha, we won a historic number amount of seats and you even lost seats in blue states, that's fine, but just understand that the way the Republican Party is wired, historically that has happened, and and as I go through and I, I figured, okay, maybe this time's different, and I tried listening to some of these candidates, I'm telling you, they're bad news, most of them. I mean, you think about this governor so so these are the House members. What about governors? You think of this Governor of Oregon. Right now, the polls slightly favor the Republican this drazen to win in Oregon. She is awful, 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 awful. And my problem is you get enough of these in power. and in 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 these blue states, governors and congressmen, a lot of people are talking about, oh my gosh. Again, Steve Dace is predicting, I don't necessarily agree with him, he, he thinks there'll be 36, I think there'll be 34, but same thing, that's an insane amount of governors, half is 25. I would rather we have 25 DeSantis Republicans and the rest Democrat than 34 to 36 Republicans where everyone except for DeSantis and Carrie Lake and maybe one other, if they win, is, is a jerk, and And that's really what we're headed towards, but you know, aside from the fake conservatives, you will have this cadre of blue state governors and blue state senators and blue right so so let's say the one from Washington State wins, and let's say John O'dea in Colorado somehow wins so and then you you tether that to a guy like Oz in Pennsylvania, and my concern is that you're going to have an entire caucus of people that are going to be openly vocal, that as a group of us inevitably try to assert ourselves over the mandate, and we push for what we want on medical freedom and immigration and culture, trannyism, crime, Ukraine, the FBI, all this stuff, that they're going to be, this is not what a Republican is, we're disturbed by the direction of the party, we don't like this. And picture a guy like Larry Hogan but have that all over the place now. (laughs) I'm sorry to point this out, but just keep that in mind. This is what it means to do politics at the next level as we try to do here, rather than just the the rote, wind-up toy, Teletubby talking point machines that you have on other shows. We have to be prepared for that. That is a real concern. You have, uh... You already have this. And you have it even in the red states. You know, Indiana, Republicans have like 75% majorities in both houses. The governor is is the biggest jerk you could ever imagine. Like, horrible jerk. I mean, weapons grade jerk. This is from W.O.W.O. in local, uh, what is it, Indianapolis. Indiana governor is planning his fifth overseas trip Of the year, this year to attend the UN climate conference in Egypt. Some of you have heard they've been hyping this, the COP 27, this big confab next week. So Holcomb, the governor of Indiana, is. This is like, this is like I forgot the name of it, but Eichmann's Final Solution conference. That's the equivalent. This is what they plan on doing: literally killing a billion people, thinning the world's population by ending food and fuel. That, that, that's what they're doing. And we have a deep red state Republican governor. So they might even expand their majorities. They might even, right now there's two Democrats remaining in the, in the U.S. House from Indiana. They might pick off one of them in the Northwest. You could literally have that mandate. And a day later Wednesday, the Republican governor of a red state goes on a plane to a confab that is antithetical to what that mandate is. I know it's hard to believe it, but what I'm telling you is if you don't lay down a marker very quickly and right now and others don't do what I'm doing, you will literally have them destroy the mandate within days. You will go from... And I'm just exaggerating. I don't think this will happen, but let let, let me just exaggerate at another one or two levels. Let's say Republicans win 290 seats. It's not possible. But 290 seats, veto-proof majority. And they knock off Chuck Schumer. The Senate majority leader loses his seat. And other crazy things happen. You could literally have a scenario where that would happen. And then a couple weeks later, you have the, the GOP... Pass a defense bill that funds the woke and broke military with everything they want. An omnibus bill, not just cutting out our leverage for a year, but funding everything that's killing us. Pass gay marriage, preventing states from defining marriage as a man and a woman. Um, A bunch of immigration bills that they actually have, and God knows what else they plan in store. And they will do it. And the Republicans will supply the votes in the Senate to overcome cloture. And McConnell will sometimes vote for them. Sometimes he'll vote against it, but make sure (laughs) there's at least 10 Republicans to support it. They will do that. Who else is preventing them from doing this? How do I know? I know because we've seen this before. There are four things broadly, and I'm going to put this in an article and try to get it to blast it out everywhere. Four things broadly that need to be done immediately. And, and really now, we shouldn't wait till afterwards. And it, and it should have been in the works for before. And we're just going to review some of what we've been saying. The most important thing is to shut down the lame duck session. So I've been thinking to say like, oh, pass a short-term CR instead of an omnibus. People don't know what that is, really. It's too in the weeds. But I think what everyone does understand is a concept of, look, you just won a historic election. The people are so upset. They threw them out, some, some of them even in blue states. So you have no right to push transformational policies through a lame duck session. Cancel it. Extend government funding for a few months into February or March, whatever, and go home. And, and cancel the lame duck session. That is so easy for the American people to understand. It would be so popular, buoyed by that momentum from the election. And what everyone should be working on is to demand that these incoming freshmen say, don't undercut us. The cavalry is on the way. We can't allow this to happen. And they should craft a letter demanding that Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell hold a a joint press conference saying... We are going to cancel the lame duck session. Now, I know those of you are putting your hand up there in the back saying, but Daniel, but Daniel, they, they don't yet have control, so the Democrats could steamroll them if they want. Yes and no. Technically, they do still control the floor, but in the Senate, they need 60 votes to pass anything, including the budget, but certainly other things. Remember, they blew their wad you, pursuant to Senate rules, you could do budget reconciliation, get around, um, get around the filibuster one time a year. They did that already, passing the Green New Deal. So, unlike in the aftermath of the twenty ten wave, when we got crushed during that lame duck session, Republicans only had forty one seats. Now they have fifty. So even if you want to say, like, okay, some of these retiring senators will be suicide bombers, maybe Murkowski will be a suicide bomber, you'll get Susan Collins, you'll get Mitt Romney. I mean, you shouldn't be able to get 10 if Mitch McConnell firmly has a grip on the party. So, yes, Schumer could say, I'm going to hold the lame duck session anyway, but if McConnell were to announce, I will not supply... 60 votes for a single thing, including the omnibus, that you want to pass that neuters the entire session. So whether he holds it or not is immaterial. So I want to make that clear that McConnell, if he were truly not even a conservative, but just a sane party leader, would say, look, we just won a massive election. We have massive amounts of power. Why would we allow Democrats to control the agenda, especially when we do have a pretty solid 50-50 in the Senate anyway to block your agenda ultimately, even if Pelosi in the House wants to pass out a number of bills, but it won't go anywhere in the Senate. That is the first thing that every one of these freshmen need to be pressured if they would all raise their voices, all these new heroes, Oz and this and that, And they say, look, this is where we are, and this is what needs to happen. And they pressure McConnell, and that begins with Kevin McCarthy himself. Why doesn't Kevin McCarthy ever call on McConnell to not pass an omnibus? I'll tell you why. Because he wants an omnibus to pass so he could play this game without pressure of having to use budget bills as leverage and us demanding he do so, and he just does standalone bills. That's what he wants to do but we need to box him in. Number two, and this is especially true if McConnell doesn't do the first thing, and that is a leadership race against Mitch McConnell. I don't know why I'm the only one preemptively talking about this. I debuted this idea on Steve Davis's show yesterday. I talked about it briefly here too, but I want to elaborate on this. In the past, it was a pipe dream to defeat Mitch McConnell, right? There was literally nobody there. You would only have maybe three people who would do it. So even those people won't want to do it because no one's going to stick their head out against him because it will never succeed. No one would run against him. So what's the point in doing it? But now we're going to have a critical mass of people with a tremendous amount of political capital. See, typically what happens is, if you're the leader of the minority during a wave election where you take back the majority, you always get the goodwill from the party as if you somehow led that and were responsible for it. So it's actually very hard to get you out of office. Typically, it's easier when it's the losing side, you have a leadership change, you know, because people are upset with your leadership. But in this case, it's different. Because if if you know Bulldog in New Hampshire wins, JD Vance in Ohio, um Masters in Arizona, Herschel Walker, I mean I'm not so into him, but in Georgia, but you know, it's not McConnell's guy at the end of the day, that's a whole num- that, that's a whole new cadre of people that he slighted. I think Blake Masters just yesterday said, Look, I'm not beholden to McConnell like my opponent, you know, Kelly, the Democrat there, is beholden to, uh, to Schumer. And he made it very clear he's not on his team. So we have a whole new number of people coming in, but it's more than just the D to R flips. Or, or I mean, some of them were also R seats, but keep in mind, um, Richard Burr, the rhino, from North Carolina is retiring. You have Ted Budd, a Freedom Caucus House member, who's going to be in the Senate. Then you have... Uh, Kelly Shabaka in Alaska, who, I mean, obviously McConnell is going to war with her. If she defeats Lisa Murkowski, that's another case there. that's, that's, That's a lot of people there that we have that could come in from day one and say, look, you know, we're not doing this. You have Eric Schmidt in Missouri instead of Roy Blunt. That's another, you know, at least moving that seat to the right, potentially could be roped into a coup against McConnell that's already a critical mass of new freshmen that have a lot of clout because they represent that new wave in addition to maybe Ron Johnson, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and, and I can't even think of who else. But whatever, maybe you can get to a dozen. But that is already a critical mass. Now, okay, who would run? And my idea is, and I, I'm not the only one saying this, Rick Scott of Florida. Now, look, do I trust him? No. Is he better than McConnell? Yes. I mean, at least it's a fresh change. At least he tried to put out some sort of agenda. He has openly fought with McConnell over you know, having a forward-looking agenda. And he was, unlike McConnell, who nobody could give credit for because he literally gave up on winning the majority. So he, he's caught holding that bag. Whereas Rick Scott is the NRSC chair who did give at least more support to these candidates than McConnell did. And he he sometimes fought him on it. I'm not trying to make him a saint. I'm just saying you're not going to get Rand Paul to be majority leader. Unfortunately, the the, the votes aren't there. You're not going to get Ron Johnson to be majority leader. But I think at least that would give a fresh face and give some sort of hope to people that you could at least care about a couple of our issues. And then there's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Once you have a potential candidate who knows he'll start with 12. Now, you need, let's say you'll need about 28. Then there's a man named Donald J. Trump. Okay? You might have heard of him. This is how Trump could have more authority, more influence than he would have even as president. If he would come out and say, and we already know he doesn't like McConnell, and say, look, it's time for this man to go. Nobody could say that he represents the Republican Party. This man tried to defeat almost all these guys that that were just elected. He needs to go. I'm endorsing Rick Scott. And Trump together with Tucker and Laura and Mark Levin and Sean Hannity and you know go down your roster of 20 most influential voices on the right and they would pound away, it's time for McConnell to go. Hey, um, Tim Scott of South Carolina. Who are you voting for? See, it's a private conference vote. They have like a conference. It's not a public vote, but you could draw them out in the days following the election before the conference vote and say, we want to know on the record, are you okay with McConnell's leadership? They'll, I mean, that would be very hard for them to, to hold hold by that. James Langford in Oklahoma. I mean, I'm just throwing off random names. Moran in uh, Kansas. What's her name? Uh... Forget her name in Nebraska, the female senator there. But, you know, you could just go up and down the list there. Are you with McConnell or is it time for new leadership? And I'm telling you, it wouldn't even come to a vote because the senators couldn't deal with Trump and Tucker and these guys eliciting their voters that that are very hungry for change that just won an election with senators McConnell tried to defeat They would have a very hard time holding their ground. McConnell would have to step down. I don't even think you'd have an election. Will it happen? Probably not. Why? Because everyone sucks and is not doing this. But I just want you to see it's achievable. Now, do I think Rick Scott as majority leader of still an overwhelming leftist Republican conference in the Senate overseeing a federal government that's irremediably broken 100 times over is going to make a difference? Not really. Not really. Not really, but we can at least try. At at least show the mess because a lot of it is, I believe the states is where it's at, but it does help to have faces and messaging and ideas at least being pushed at a federal level that could build the momentum for what we ultimately want to implement in the states. Again, who else is giving this vision? Why not? It's bizarre. Even if you want to say Kevin McCarthy, look, it, unrealistic, no one's going to run against him. You saw Even Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't want to take a swing at him. She was on our show. Fine. Okay, I'm not going to belabor that. It is what it is. Fine. But McConnell, we, we have him out in the open. No one really, I mean, even some of those talk show hosts that are, you know, up McCarthy's rear end, but not McConnell. So McConnell should be very achievable. But that's what it is. But I I, I wanted to connect the dots. So that's number two. First thing again, cancel lame duck session, get all the freshmen, get a letter going. Number two, um going after McConnell. And those of you who are in red states, red districts, these are things you can do. Number three, if you're in a red district, incoming or outgoing or whatever. A week later, I mentioned this before. They vote on a rules package. We're not going to be able to change House leadership, but we need to pressure them to change the rules. Majority of the majority that you can only leadership can only endorse budget bills that the majority support. They have to allow individual members to support amendments. You know, if like 2025 sign on to an amendment, we need that amendment vote so that we get a vote on uh, defunding. Um, The entire COVID, not just the mandates, but but the therapeutics and imposing or taking away the PREP Act and the NCVIA uh, liability protection and um, decreasing legal immigration, things like that. And I want to I want to get to that point uh, at the end. That is very important. Will the house be run differently? And finally, number four. And that's the most important. It's, you know, the entire movement needs to immediately prepare for the state legislative sessions. We have a small window of time that, they, that they're even meeting. Small window to introduce legislation in many states. They have deadlines. You have to get with members and go down the list on medical freedom, on all things COVID, and bioterrorism, all things tra- trannyism and grooming. All things immigration and crime. All things um, interposing against the federal government. All things bar reform. We talked about that to break the ABA lock on state judiciaries. I'm just mentioning a couple of things. Um, Foreign ownership of, of farmlands in these states, particularly the Chinese. I'm just throwing out a couple of things that need to be done. Who has the bill on this? Who has the support for it? What are the things governors need to be doing? What are the things attorneys general in the states need to be doing? I mean, I can't be a one-man think tank, but, but this is what a movement would be doing. It's a very narrow window where you have the goodwill from the voters and the mandate and the shock and awe of Democrats losing so much and the legislative opportunity to harness that. Those are the four things broadly that need to be, and each one, especially the latter one, needs a list in its own of all the ideas. And we'll, we'll, we'll be you know, growing that as time goes on. But let's get into some of the specific issues. Some of the specific issues. Let's talk about immigration. Immigration has become almost unanimous among the McCarthy-like Republicans. Yeah, this is terrible. We need border security. It's terrible. The fentanyl, yada, yada. Finally, 25 years late, after they, we had to fight them tooth and nail, finally they're supporting us on that. Or are they? If we don't watch out, they'll jujitsu it into a black hole. As we noted, even on illegal immigration, they, they're just going to fund more border security, which actually means funding catch and release. You need, in the budget, defunding all catch and release and all magnets, all benefits for illegals. All benefits. Done and actually empowering states. So you don't have these like Plyler v. Doe type of court and US v. Arizona screwing with them, uh, empowering states to cut off all bennies and enforce immigration law. That needs to be done. Oh, Daniel, well, that's a different story. That I don't hear them really saying that. Watch the talking points carefully if you don't draw red lines. But then there's legal immigration. So Republicans, what they've done is they've sat by. Typically, we've had waves of 20 to 30 years of immigration expansion when we had waves of immigration in the past. Now we're on 60 years of expansion and going on and on and on together with record illegal immigration. And rather than Republicans pushing a, a, a time to turn down, Republicans are going to assuage their guilt for finally, at least rhetorically, superficially, inveighing against illegal immigration say, oh, but I love legal immigration and we need to streamline. They might not say we need to increase legal immigration because that's a trigger word for the base. The base doesn't like it. They'll use the word streamline. So this um, very special star, My- Myra Flores, um, Myra Flores. Uh, she's running in South Texas, D plus eight district. This is what I'm talking about, by the way. She said that it's so important for me to focus on legal immigration and improving the legal process. Now, I don't think she means what you and I mean. You know what she means. And basically Republicans, and it's a lot of them, depending on the issue. So you have the farming whores that want the cheap labor ones. You'll have the Mike Lees that want endless Chinese and, and uh, Indian uh, visas to gerrymander Americans out of every computer, accounting, nursing, you name it, job imaginable and engage in trade theft, espionage, and that's exactly how we have the brain gain for them and and the sucking out of our supply chains. We've talked about that a lot in the past. Um, We thought everyone kind of recognized that problem, but no, they're literally doubling down on it. It's actually literally something they, they plan on, the Democrats will do during the lame duck if we don't stop. So they're going to actually push increases in legal immigration. Their point is, Daniel, I'll tell you how to solve the problem. They're coming illegally because we don't have enough legal immigration, except there's a problem with that argument. We've had the most illegal immigration precisely coinciding with the period of time of the most legal immigration, and we've had illegal immigration from the countries from which we've had the most legal immigration. And the answer is very simple. It's not an enigma. The more immigration you have, the more immigration they'll want. Because, and it's understandable, if you bring in endless people from the third world with poverty, guess what? All their friends and relatives will now want to come, and I don't blame them. But that's the reality. You can't solve the bottleneck by saying I want more when you already have record high numbers. It, it, this is the Republican pseudo Goldilocks triangulation imaging that they do. They don't look at justice, truth, facts, prudence. It's like, OK, well, I, I, I don't want to look like I'm extreme for a border invasion, but I don't I, I want to look like I'm pro-immigration. So illegal, bad, all legal, good. And I'm like, well, it's the same thing they do with vaccines. I'm pro-vaccine. Well, well, what are the details on it? I mean, some could be, you know, a need for it, some not. Some could be safe, some not. Some could be effective, some not. Like, what the heck? That's just so sophomoric. There's a time and a place and a type for immigration. There's a time for more and there's a time for less. We need a cool-off. And we've needed it forever for a variety of reasons, but the reality is, I mean, let me, let me pull this up. This is a little bit old. It's from uh, f- huh, four years ago. Gallup polled people. How many people would want to come here if you can? And they found that more than 750 million would come if you can. Ideally, if you had the opportunity, would you like to move permanently to another country? Would you prefer living in this country? Sub-Saharan Africa, 33% said they would move. Latin America and Caribbean, 27%. Even Europe, 26%. Middle East, 24%. And they added it up. And it's like, I once added up the number of countries so we have tons of legal immigration from Guatemala. So let's say, oh, we're going to solve it by having legal immigration. Do you know there's 88 countries that have a lower per capita GDP than Guatemala does? It's a bottomless pit. So at some point, it's got to be about what benefits the people already here. I mean, this is obvious. And I'm just telling you, watch very carefully for this issue with Republicans. They're horrible on it. They have not changed. You think they've changed? Like, oh, come on, Daniel, they see the mandate, they see the—no, no just because they run ads, oh, there's too much illegal immigration, there's too much crime. We talked about this yesterday with crime. Same thing, fund border patrol, so I'll fund the police. That's not the issue. Are you going to have mandatories to lock up violent criminals? And no one's really proposing that. And a bunch of other things. I have a list of ideas. Anti-gang legislation, which should be, should be very popular, very easy to message. According to the Center for Immigration Studies, they just came out with their latest census kind of overview analysis the u.s hit 47.9 million immigrants in, as of september 2022 the um according to the census the the foreign-born population has grown 3 million since biden took office and we're at 48 million foreign-born in the country record high record high 48 million. There's immigration and there's immigration. And then if you include, it's even more because again, it's wave after wave after wave. So it's not like, okay, you have one big period and then a cool off. So what happens is, okay, you have a bunch of first generation and then a bunch of second generation. So it it, it works against assimilation. So for example, or or I think a better term is Americanization. Um... You look, and there's even more. In addition to the immigrants themselves, 48 million, there's 17.2 million children under the age of 18 with an immigrant parent. So if you would add up immigrants and children with an immigrant parent, that's one in five residents of this great country of 331 million. There's nothing wrong with being foreign-born. There's nothing wrong with wrong with being a child of a foreign-born person. But I'm just telling you, that is a measure of the amount. Every year we give out one to one point one million new green cards. Every year, in addition to that, we have like another million foreign students. We have another seven eight hundred thousand long-term worker visas. I'm not talking about like tourist visas or short-term short-term business visas. I'm talking about the long-term. Dude, like, at, come on. And again, it, we're not Americanizing the way we did in the past. Some do, but some don't. And I, I've talked about this before. CIS has put out reports. In California, 44% of school-age children, 44%, speak a foreign language at home. And it's roughly a third in Texas, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, and Florida. Of the school, school-aged school children who speak a foreign language at home, 85% were born in the U.S. So you see that even among adults 18 and older, more than a third of those speak a foreign language at home are U.S. born. So it's, it's still kind of, even among the U.S. born, of those who speak a foreign language at home, 26 million told the Census Bureau, Bureau that they speak English less than very well. You know, they'll say, well, Daniel, your parents... You know, your your ancestors, when they came, whatever, at the turn of the century, you know, from, from Europe, and, well, I bet they were speaking German or whatever, or, or Polish and this and, and, and Yiddish. Yeah, but here's the deal. You never had a scenario where the American-born children weren't. That That's the big difference. And, again, that's a measure of the amount, the type of places that they're coming from the reinforcement of endless waves of both legal and illegal, especially from the Hispanic areas and just the, the change of American society that that encourages that rather than encouraging Americanization. You got to look at that. And I didn't even get to kind of the visa problem, boxing out American workers. There's many other issues, but it's like, dude, come on. It's literally like I'm pro vaccine, so I have to support Pfizer's hemlock shots. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's a case where it could be very useful, but there's a case where a vaccine could be deadly. Immigration could be useful at a given time in the right amount, it could be deadly. It's, every policy is like that. It just it's just stupid. It's like I am pro law and order. I am for locking up criminals harshly. But but am I for taking someone who with a clean criminal record um who is charged with trespassing a public building and that's all he did and then like holding him pre-trial for two years and sentencing him to 10 years no you know everything has a has a measure but that watch for republicans to do this and and, and again i'm explaining the theme of today is this bounce back effect how the more you if you have a conservative party a proper party, the more they win, the more they'll use the mandate for good. But if you have a subversive party, the bigger the mandate, the bigger they'll screw us. And we talked about that with the blue state Republicans, but it's also a problem with policy. So in the past, they were like, "Daniel, it's because of racists like you embarrassing us in front of Hispanic voters, you know, that we are we we can't uh, make inroads, and Hispanics hate us and they don't vote for us." Fine. Then you have Trump come along and at least rhetorically, was the strongest ever on immigration, and Hispanics flocked to to the Republican Party. So their entire 25-year thesis on immigration policy was completely busted up, completely repudiated. But they're going to have the nerve to stand before us and say, Aha, Daniel, you see. In fact, you are so right that you are wrong." Hispanics really are natural conservative voters and they're actually voting for us. So politically, they're an asset. So you should have no problem. We should actually increase immigration. Except there's a big problem with that argument. Because yes, it is true that we've had so many waves of Hispanic immigration that the older ones are starting like always to, to move away from the Democrat Party, particularly because of their radicalism. But if you go and reinf- continue reinforcing it, with more and more and more and more and more waves, um, you know, guess what? Then it's always going to be a net loser. So yeah, you'll, you'll always be getting 50 to 55% of the third generation Hispanics, but then you'll always be on the losing side of 2080 on the losing side on the first generation. So you keep doing that, the Democrats are going to keep benefiting from it. If you did have a shutoff now, I think we could be headed to a, a, very, a very good situation where the Democrats will be in trouble, which is exactly why the Democrats are trying to push more, which is exactly why Republicans as always bail them out. I mean, according to that CIS report, under the – see, we haven't the, the, – even this wave has not fully crested. Even if you keep the status quo and you don't increase, at the current trajectory – we're going to go to something like by 2060, and I, I, I lost the paper. I had it in front of me here, but as I'm talking, I'll try to f- pull it up. So right now, as a percentage, there's 48 million foreign-born. As a percentage of the population, it is, it is 14.6%. By 2060, under the current policies, it would be 17.1%. 69.3 million foreign-born. And it's not, again, entertaining the first generation, you know, with the foreign-born parents speaking other languages at home. Again, none of these, it's not a crime. It's not a bad thing in a vacuum. It's just a measure of how much Americanization we're getting. This is basic prudence that if you explain it to most Americans... They'll agree, including a lot of first-generation immigrants, because they're like, yeah, I want, I want to have the American experience. I don't want to bring my entire countrymen over. Then I'll bring my country to it, which is what I was trying to flee from. Right? I mean, that, that's the reality. It's a numbers game, and everyone always understood that. Just because you're a product of immigration or you had – it doesn't mean that all forms of immigration at all times need to be just indulged to the nth degree. So just recognize Republicans are now going to try to – they'll be like, well, now we have a base of Hispanic voters that are not just a liability that we have to cut our losses. But now we can even count on them to win certain states and be with us. We really have to cultivate that. They're going to double down. And to the extent that they even fake rhetorically to deal with illegal immigration, commensurately they're going to push more legal immigration. I mean, this is a – I mean, look, the CQ is, is warning big tech sites, national security, and push for immigration changes. Remember the semiconductor bill, the Chips and Science Act, where Mitch McConnell and Grassley and, and half the Senate Republicans joined with every Democrat to give a- Amazon, Apple, Google, Intel basically hundreds of mil- billions of dollars to for semiconductors. But then it was for all sorts of science. It included global warming. Pharma, fascism, anything, literally the worst bill you could imagine. And, but they said, no, 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 this is to protect our supply chain to compete with China. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have our own semiconductor industry. Okay. So the whole at least fine. And we were saying, look, if that's what it is, um, I believe it was even Rob, might have been Rob Portman, but there was an amendment to look at least you have to hire Americans. If that's the point, then have a provision. If you're getting the money, you have to hire Americans. No, they didn't put that in there. Not only aren't they doing that, a a day after they passed it, then they turned around and sent a letter and said, it's time for more foreign visas, which means India and China monopolizing that. It's unbelievable. And again, this has broad, broad bipartisan support. Republicans could win, you know, 500, whatever, 400 seats in the House It won't change their hearts. What I'm telling you is Republicans have not changed one iota. And that includes a lot of the new ones that will be elected, particularly from those blue areas, but even red areas. It just The Overton window has shifted. The harm of the Democrat policies is worse, so it requires a stronger response. So Republicans will then agree to a few of the things that we were calling for 15 years ago when it's already too little too late and we need to do much more. So now that we had an, an uh, outright invasion, Republicans are like, yeah, legal immigration is kind of a problem. Dude, I mean, we've, we've, we've long passed that. This is what they're going to do if we don't push leadership elections, rules changes, policies at a state level, and certainly to get rid of the lame duck session and making sure that the budget bill is kicked to next year so we have that leverage. This is what these guys are going to do. Don't doubt me, folks. They will do this. Do you you think on crime, the entire right on crime, coke, fake libertarian right, that's pushing soft on crime, do you think they're just going to go home? No. They're going to continue pushing that stuff. So you'll have these bills in these legislatures, these budgets that they'll fund the police more, and they'll also fund more like diversion programs. It's not about the police. My view on crime is statutorily either juice up sentencing for violent criminals, or if you're not going to do that, then I agree with the other end, defund the police. Because then the police will only be used for bad purposes. I don't need that. Just like with Border Patrol, any more funding under the current legal framework, when I say legal, I don't mean legally it's not legal, but what the administration is doing with and what the courts often indulge, any more funding of DHS will actually work against us. They'll use it to spy on us, and they'll use it to um, get more babysitters under the false flag of, of juicing up Border Patrol to do more catch and release. It's the policies, not the funding, that matters. And particularly with crime... We really have to watch out with that. To the extent there's a funding problem, I talked about this before, it's not the police. The police usually catch the bad guys. Even where I am, where Baltimore is messed up, they'll catch it. They're released. It's not the police's fault. We need to fund prosecutions and courts. But again, that has to be very very tailor-made to very specific outcomes. You don't just want prosecutions to use it against us. Has to be to, you know, with people with with three with a rap sheet that could potentially get three violent felonies under three strikes and you're out. How to get them out? How to go after them? So we need that. We need legislation ever I don't see Aside from in the blue states, if Lee Zeldin wins to, t- you know, obviously he'll abolish or at least attempt to abolish the no no-cash-bail rule, I'm not seeing specifics other than Democrats are going to defund the police. Just because you run ads showing, you know, the destruction of what they're doing doesn't mean that they're going to do what it takes to rectify it. It won't happen on its own. <clears throat> That's my biggest messaging. And then again, we don't have, we're pretty much out of time, but... On 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 COVID 2 I noticed they're like we're not going to forgive them and have an amnesty. We're going to go after Burks and Fauci, and I'm like, eh. They focus on the lockdowns. The lockdowns is not where it's at. Yes, statutorily we need to make sure that never happens again. But investigatory, there's nothing to investigate. The major investigations are before and after. So when 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 people are drowning, you don't focus on who threw them in the pool, how they got in the pool. You want to make sure no one else is thrown in the pool, and you want to get them out and, and do CPR and save them. Then we could talk about going backwards. The most important thing is not the lockdowns at this point. It's what the Republicans don't want to talk about. It's the vaccines and the therapeutics and pharma, the liability, studying vaccine injury, legislating against it, funding you know compensation, diagnostics. People are sitting with this stuff in their body. Government owes them free diagnostics to, uh, to get ahead of it and treatment. That's the first thing. And then it's really the other end, the gain of function. It's who created it. What else are they doing? What other vaccine and viruses are they creating at the t- same time to unleash bioterrorism on us? Who knew what and when did they know it? In terms of who knew what and when they know it with the with the lockdown policies, I mean, we see that out in the open. that you just need to get rid of all those emergency powers, get rid of the prep act, um, create a, a fundamental right that cannot be breached both you know, at a federal level but importantly at a state level, where they have super majorities. They could easily put it on the ballot, but certainly immediately do it statutorily before you know, because sometimes it takes a while to make constitutional changes. And you have a right to bodily integrity. It doesn't go away during a time of public health emergency. They can never force a product on your body, in your body. They can never shut down indiscriminately businesses and churches, you know, carte blanche, just, you know, hey, it's public health, everyone shut down. That needs to be ended. Um, But in terms of, of, of the long term of what they're still doing and continuing to do, It's really the bioterrorism. And obviously the surveillance state needs to be cut down. All this stuff. Uh, Again, they, they just pick one or two things and harp on them when they're the things that are like kind of the most repudiated. And I understand why they're doing that, but it's just so stupid. And there's nothing offensive about it. It sounds great. But all the while they're doing that, the left marches on and on and on on what they're really trying to harm us with. Folks, this is politics at the next level. Okay, this is a graduate degree level course rather than the nursery rhymes you hear from some of my colleagues in this business. This is what everyone should be focused on with this level of specificity, this level of continuity of observations. So immigration, crime, and medical freedom... These are the ways that they're going to jujitsu the momentum into a black hole, sound like they're with us, but actually really helping the other side, particularly on immigration. I'm very concerned about that. I'm concerned about this blue state Republican surge and what that's going to bring. And most importantly, what we can do about it. Focus on the leadership elections. Contact them. Demand they follow the mandate. Focus on state legislation. We got to cancel that lame duck session. That's really going to kill us. Why am I the only one talking about this? I want, I want an answer. Let me know what you think. Why no one else is doing this. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. C19 truth bombs on Telegram is the place. Elon Musk still has not um, reset my account, at least not as of yet. And now they say it might take weeks. Just keep in mind, folks. Elon Musk looked very promising and right away kinda gets gun shy. Little bit gun shy there. That's what Republicans, even when they're not subversive, they will do that if left to their own devices. What do you mean, Danny? You just you just bought Twitter, you could do what you want, and then you don't. Oh, you just wiped out the Democrats in election, you're not gonna even follow up on the key issues that 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 got you to the to the ball, that got you to the dance? You better believe they'll be that way. If we don't stop then. Till tomorrow. God bless y'all and thank you for listening.